Well, a secretive Chinese oligarch has just come into Texas and purchased up 140,000 acres of land right down the street from a U.S. Air Force base. That's normal. We're going to get into all of that and more. And will AOC join me in an investigation of whether or not Gen 6 was an inside job, right? Uh, but before we do, I want to talk about SAS. Now, keep in mind, I know I've been talking about this a long time. One week, we are one week away, right? Myself, Tanya, the kids, we're deciding what day we want to fly down. But I want you to decide whether you're you're in the area of Tampa if you're, or even if you're within driving distance. It's not that far. If you're in the Southeast there, come on down. We will see you. We've got Governor Ron DeSantis on Friday night. We've got my, uh, myself, Charlie Kirk, and then President Trump is going to be speaking on Saturday night down there. You need to be at this event. You can purchase your tickets, tposa.com slash SAS, promo code POSO, 25% off. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is July 15th, 2022, Anno Domini. Today's headlines, a secretive Chinese oligarch has bought 140,000 acres of land in Texas near the U.S. Laughlin Air Force Base. We're going to talk about this. Next, AOC suggests that Jan 6 perhaps was an inside job. Third, health experts are quitting the NIH and CDC in droves because they are embarrassed by bad science. And finally, Malcolm Nance. We all love Malcolm so much, right? Mr. Fast Mover himself. The GOP is becoming an insurgency and we may have to fight our neighbors. All this and more head Human Events Daily. You know, this project initially was looked at more of like, why this unusually tall wind farm? What... What's going on with that? Why 700-foot-tall wind farm towers in a place, as Kyle said, where the wind doesn't really blow, 65 miles from a strategic Air Force base, and it's close to our border? Why a 10,000-foot runway? What's the purpose for that? And when you start looking into it a little bit more, asking all these questions, it looks more like a Trojan horse where if they... If hostile countries invaded our infrastructure, it could be catastrophic. So this bill protects Texas' critical infrastructure. For several years now, a secretive Chinese oligarch, who doesn't even live in the United States, by the way, he lives in China in the province of Xinjiang, the capital city there, Urumuchi. His name is Sun Guangxin. What he's doing is he's purchasing up acre after acre of land in Texas, right on our southern border, Valverde, Texas, next to Laughlin Air Force Base. Now, he says he just wants this for wind turbines. He says he wants this for a a wind farm, even though people have come in and said, yeah, there's actually not that much wind that's there right now, Uh, Mr. Mr. Oligarch, Mr. Swin. But he's purchased up now 140 thousand acres. And when you dig into this now, Governor Abbott has signed a law essentially blocking his wind farm for coming in, but he's still looking at potentially seeing if he could lease the land out for wind farms there. But I want to use this as an example, right? And and you can go through this, right? So he's, he's purchased up this uh, Brazos Highland properties, Harvest, Texas. There's conservative easements nearby this, this, these huge swaths of land. 
in a obviously geostrategic national area for the United States. This is our southern border, right? This is land that we need to maintain obvious national security objectives over. But as a country, we don't take things seriously anymore. So if you're a Chinese oligarch who's got the money, right? And of course, we know how this works. If you are an oligarch at that level in China, let me just explain something to you. Maybe maybe there's somebody who doesn't quite get it yet. So I'm going to break it down, right? When you're on the way up in China, whether you're in business, whether you're in the military, whether it's school, academics, right? Going into um, the entrepreneurial field, whatever it is, when you're on the way up, and you start to get a little bit of success under your feet. You start to, you know, you start, you're pulling that rope and you start getting some traction. You're moving along. You're, you know, you're not, you're not quite there yet, but you've gone from zero to 60. The party is paying attention because the party is always watching. And then at that point, when they realize that they've identified some talent, they come to you and they make you an offer. They say, do you want to join? Do you want to join that party? And I don't think I need to tell you what happens to anyone who says no to that offer. So you take the offer, you can become rich, you can become, you can become incredibly material wealthy, you can become incredibly powerful. But if you're living in an area, say, like Xinjiang, right, well, then you might be asked to do certain things, not so much for your business or for your family, but for the good of the CCP, the good of the regime. Of course, that's what's going on here, because that's what goes on with every single one of the Chinese oligarchs. But what's amazing to me is that we as a country, we allow this to happen. We allow Chinese oligarchs to purchase up in Canada. Believe it or not, Trudeau, of all people, right? This guy who is a great reset World Economic Forum acolyte, even he banned earlier this year foreign home ownership, right? We could do this here in the United States. We could easily do this. And maybe if we have a president someday who actually cares about putting America first, he'll institute some of these policies. But until then, we are at the mercy of the GDP. And we're at the mercy of people who don't care about anything other than making a buck or maybe a yuan or maybe a ruble, right? Whatever it is. The fact of the matter is this. Are we a country that actually takes itself seriously? Why would we allow, and of course, people are coming in saying, you know, obviously it's so close to Laughlin Air Force Base or the potential intelligence implications or potential this, but look, obviously, obviously. But if you were a foreign country that was an adversary, of course you would do that, right? It's smart for them to do that from their perspective. What's stupid is us and our leaders for allowing them to treat our country and its people this way. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, I got two things in the Poso household that Tanya Tay and myself have left over from the 4th of July. One of them is a whole lot of fireworks. And the other one is a entire, I'd say about like half a case left of Good Ranchers. We got so much Good Ranchers for our 4th of July. We got the burgers. We got the steaks. We got the chicken. We even got some of the seafood. Tanya is a seafood lover, even though she's from a country that is not that is actually landlocked. She loves seafood. And you know what? She loves the seafood from Good Ranchers. So we went out. We purchased all of this. My mom came in with some. It was amazing. We made it for the boys. We made it for the friends that came by. 
so amazing. We had the grill going all day, right? We're out there. Uh, the fireworks went off at night. We had the marshmallows. We had the fire going. Beautiful, right? Got out on the boat a little bit. But I got to tell you, the fact that we had the quality meat from Good Ranchers, right? And I know, I know they're a sponsor, but I got to say, this was absolutely an amazing 4th of July, and we're going to be having a few more summer parties just to finish all of this off, the fireworks and the meat, and because the kids loved it so much. And for my kids, I think that giving them a great summer and giving them a great childhood is a memory that they're going to have to last them an entire lifetime. And for me, for my family, I want Good Ranchers to be a part of that. And so if you want Good Ranchers to be part of your family's story, to be part of the story for your kids, for your grandkids, it's so easy. You go to goodranchers.com slash poso. You get the 30% off the free express shipping. It's amazing, right? You're, you're not going to want to get anything else once you start ordering from Good Ranchers. Just try it out. Try a little bit, and you'll see exactly what I mean. Then you're going to go for the bigger purchase on your second one. So GoodRanchers.com slash POSO. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. These insurrectionists. Like Antifa? And that there were actual officers working with this, and we never got to the bottom of that, and we never got any answers about that. And then to this day, we're just supposed to pretend that that never happened. I have no idea what happened to the people on the inside who were very clearly sympathetic with what was going on and opening the doors wide open for that. And we're, I'm supposed to sit here and pretend like none of that ever happened. And then right afterwards, you have a massive, you know, you just have this idea that throwing money at that problem is gonna make it go away without any buildings. accountability. And so this is, this is where these things are breaking down. We're not safe. And it's not just about members of Congress not being safe. The Black food staff matter. workers aren't safe. The Black janitors aren't safe. Like, we need to get to the bottom of this. So that's all I got to say. What about Antifa? Thank you, Congresswoman. Let's get to the bottom of it. Antifa, please. So AOC was getting into it with comedian Alex Stein earlier this week. Uh, you may have seen their little dust up where he was essentially uh, commenting on her appearance in a in a complimentary way, but she was very upset about this. But she got so upset that later that same evening, AOC took to the literal steps of the Capitol itself and started putting out a theory, which you just heard, that she has the potentially federal law enforcement, including what she says, the U.S. Capitol Police, may have had some involvement in the organization and planning of the storming of the Capitol on January 6th. So what she's saying then essentially is she believes that January 6th may have been an inside job. And she has tweets about this where she says, it was politically incorrect to look into this. No investigation was ever done, but we have to get to the bottom of this and we have to get into it. So look, AOC, I know that you and I, look, we've had our differences. I like to eat hamburgers. You want to ban hamburgers. I wasn't in the Capitol on January 6th. You, well, actually, that's not a difference because you also weren't in the Capitol on January 6th. You claimed you were, but then I drew a map and explained to you and everybody else that you were actually not in the Capitol on January 6th. So we have that in common, as a matter of fact. This is something else we do have in common, Mo. I agree with you. We do need to get to the bottom of who it was that actually planned to storm the Capitol. Because what's amazing is that on the very same day that all of this took place, 
there was a piece that came out of the New York Times by a gentleman, an extremely obscure writer, one that was so obscure that Darren Beatty even pointed out that this guy doesn't even have a blue check on Twitter, right? And yet he writes this entire puff piece going on and on about Ray Epps and saying, well, Ray Epps, and he, you know, he's been targeted, and then uh, Tucker Carlson and the conservatives, they've been so mean to him, right? Here's the thing. Ray Epps is the only person that we have actual video evidence of from January 5th and January 6th organizing, planning, and inciting a riot that turned into the storming of the Capitol. And so the question then is, why is it that the Mimaws from Arkansas get arrested and get charged with this? People, you know, illegal parading, uh, unlawful entry, right? These misdemeanors all over the place. But the guy that's actually on footage for inciting the riot, a federal riot that led to the storming of the Capitol, was never charged and has this, this bubble of protection around him by groups such as the New York Times. And so AOC, perhaps you and I, perhaps AOC and POSO can work together on this, right? Perhaps you, Nancy Drew, can come over and we'll work together, human events, special operation. We are going to solve the secret of who actually planned the riot on January 6th. And we are going to be willing to ask the question, was federal law enforcement involved? Now, I've wanted to talk about the FBI. You want to talk about the Capitol Police. We can do it together. I'm all for it, right? Let's get all the text messages. Let's get the logs. Let's find about the confidential human sources. Let's talk about informants. Let's talk about cutouts. Let's talk about anyone. Let's talk about handlers. Let's talk about assets. Let's talk about clandestine informants in the crowd. AOC, what do you say? You and me join up on this one. AOC and POSO investigate January 6th. Many Americans are under-vaccinated, meaning they are not up to date on their COVID-19 vaccines. Not all people over the age of 50 have received their first booster dose. Of those who've received their first booster dose, only 28% of those over 50 have received a second booster dose. And of those over the age of 65, only 34% have received their second booster dose. So my message right now is very simple. It's essential that these Americans, as Dr. Shah said, get their second booster shot right away. So the NIH and CDC, you know, this is something that I think a lot of people in the conservative space have been talking about for a long time. And now we're starting to see the actual whiptail effect of this. NIH and CDC employees, both of those institutions, those storied institutions, which have so much trust with our with our community and with our country right now, Reportedly facing staffing shortages as low morale drives away employees. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for NIH. Let me just get out the littlest violin. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Littlest. Decisions like the closures of schools and the requiring of face masks once they reopened led to many questioning leadership. We have this from Daily Mail. Lately, the authorization of COVID-19 vaccines for children four years old or younger has confused some in America's top medical agencies. This is because uh, data from both Pfizer and Moderna's clinical trials for jabs shows that jabs in under fives show limited effectiveness. And people are referring to this as bad 
science. Let me just say this again. Bad science. It doesn't work. Look, there's a pharmacy not far from where we are in D.C. right now uh, where we shoot the show. And we drive past it every day. We walk past it every day. And I see these little kids lined up for lined up to get this shot. And the moms and the dads taking them in, right? You hear and you see them crying when they come out, holding their arm. And you look at this and you say, the data doesn't back it up. But you know who does back it up? The TV. The TV backs it up. So if you're watching CNN or you're watching MSNBC, they are pushing and pushing and pushing this. They are using fear porn to make you think that this is like the worst pandemic that we've ever been in in human history and that you have to save your children and save the world by going and getting this vaccine, right? And if it was a situation like that, if it was a situation that we were in where the bodies were piling up, including children's, right? Children dying from this, you would know. You wouldn't need someone to tell you. You wouldn't need it promoted, right? You would know. You'd be banging on the doors to get in there. And yeah, I see that. And it's beautiful weather. It's been a great summer. It's pretty hot right now in D.C. in the Chesapeake Bay area. But they're all lined up. They've got their masks on. They've got the goggles. Some of them have the, uh, the rubber, um, rubber gloves. What are you doing? What are we doing? Right? So I can understand why there's low morale. Why? Because there are political and financial interests towards pushing a lot of these schemes. We're the only country in the world that's doing this. No, let's go look at Europe. Go look at Asia. They're not doing this. Only us. Only the United States is doing this. You know? And you really have to ask yourselves, why is it that Bernie Sanders and my friend AOC, and we're going to be working together, right? Like Scooby-Doo or the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew when they have the team-ups, we're going to be looking into um, January 6th. Maybe AOC, we can get together and say, all right, if you want to model ourselves after European healthcare, well, then why aren't we following European healthcare directives when it comes to this, the vaccination of children? And because AOC, I know you're someone who's very concerned with the rich and corporations and corporate power. I have a great, a great topic for you, and it's called Big Pharma. Let's look into this and let's see if there are financial incentives that are driving these politicized decisions by the NIH and by the CDC. Is it possible? Because now you've got people that are coming out, and I guarantee you that there's going to be whistleblowers. AOC, let's set it up. We've got, we're going to have a new Congress, right? Come January, you know, we're going to have a new Congress. Unfortunately, you're not going to be in the majority anymore. That's just the way it goes. That's what all the polls are showing us. However, comma, however, comma, what we can do is give you a great job. We are going to put you down on this. We'll make an actual bipartisan committee. POSO and AOC investigate big pharma. We are well on to our way to a multi-year campaign. That we're already two years uh, into this campaign where we will may have to fight they, the they in my title and the they in my title who want to kill Americans are your neighbors. So I want to apologize now to the, uh, the listeners and viewers of Human Events Daily, the Turning Point family in general, Charlie, my bad man, Alex, Drew. I'm sorry you had to sit through that. And I'm sorry that I didn't warn you um, sufficiently that you would be have to listen to an interview with Malcolm Nance. I, I just, I really, you know, there's some stuff that we've got to cover on this show 
that it gets a little disturbing from time to time. It's a little bit rough, but this is our world and we're going to face it head on with clear eyes, right? And we're going to approach every day as it comes. And so unfortunately, unfortunately, sometimes we have to sit through Malcolm Nance. Now, Malcolm, what's amazing to me, this guy just came back from Ukraine, right? And so his his career was a complete failure, right? His Navy career was a complete failure too. Before that, um, he basically was done at MSNBC as a correspondent. CNN wasn't booking him, right? He couldn't get out anywhere. So what did he do? He went and quote unquote, joined the Ukrainian Foreign Legion. Didn't seem to actually do very much, but took a lot of pictures, you know, in Ukraine while in uniform. He was stayed in Lviv. I went down to Odessa and then all the way forward to Mikolaev. It's funny because I never actually saw any any videos or, or or posts from Malcolm Nance, you know, fighting at the front or going as far as I did in Ukraine or or really doing much of anything other than holding interviews on CNN and MSNBC. But he had a lot of goodwill from this, right? He had a lot of goodwill. So, you know, he's putting on his uniform, putting on his battle suit, his battle rattle, right, for you know, the purposes of, 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 of clout, right? But he had built up some goodwill, built up some goodwill. So he went clout chasing Ukraine, comes back. And so the question is, what is he going to do then? Lost some weight too. Good for, good for you. Good for you, buddy, right? Get in shape, stay fit, right? We all support that. So then my question is, what are you going to do with that clout? Comes back to the United States. This is fast mover, right? They fire in threes. Oh, wait, there's number four. Oops, <laughs> South, Southwest. He comes back and rather than actually building on any of the things that he's done for supposedly all these months while he's been in Ukraine fighting the uh, the orcs, right, fighting the Russian orcs of the czar. He actually said on CNN at one point that he's he, I'm about to go back to the front. The, uh, do you, what do you mean the front? Which front? Right. Are you going to Nikolaev? Are you fighting in Donetsk, Lysychansk, Lugansk? Several Donetsk, where, where are you going? Just tell us where you're going, right? Show us some, give us some evidence of this at all. No. He goes on TV, comes back on MSNBC and tells us that we need to be fighting our neighbors. And that's what he's planning to do next, right? And he's got this whole new book about why apparently that we need to fight our neighbors. We have to fight the they and the they are the neighbors. So that, that's good. Us versus them. You know, that's always a winning political strategy. It's certainly good for any nation of people that are trying to stay together. But look, look. Remember what I said the other day, the United States on the issue of abortion is being split into moral camps, moral geographic areas as well. When you look at state versus state, we are going to have states that are anti-abortion states and we're going to have states that permit abortion. But we do have to ask ourselves a question. What happens when you have a country, two sides, irrevocable moral differences. Abortion, anti-abortion. One side wants it, one side doesn't want it. And then the states start breaking up. And then people start going after each other over this issue. And people start talking about us versus them, like Malcolm Nance says. We'll see. And that'll close out that week for us here at Human Events Daily. Remember, as always, our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you. Be good, be brief, be gone. Your homework, and I do have to give you homework, both tonight and over the weekend. I know, I know. Weekend homework. To share this out with one of your normie friends and then leave us your five-star review. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. I don't even know what else we're on. Whatever else we're on. Wherever you get your podcasts, 
please share this out and leave us your five-star review. And what did we talk about today? A secretive Chinese oligarch buying 140,000 acres of land in Texas near Laughlin Air Force Base because we're not a serious country. Next, AOC suggesting that Jan 6 may have been an inside job. My offer to AOC, let's do it. Poso and AOC investigate. We can do even put your name first, AOC and Poso. Next, health experts quitting the NIH and CDC in droves because they are embarrassed by bad science over vaccinating children. And then finally, Malcolm Nance, Mr. Fastmover himself, Mr. Standby. The GOP is becoming an insurgency and we may have to fight our neighbors. That's the kind of stuff, that's the kind of rhetoric that's coming out of MSNBC right now. But before we go for this weekend, I want to leave you with kind of a somber note for today's history break. So we lost this week Ivana Trump. 73 years old, passed away. Uh, the reports it may have been cardiac arrest. He was at home. That's the mother of Don Jr., Ivanka, and Eric. And her mother, uh, Ivana's mother, is still alive. Right? So the great-grandmother of their children. And we just want to say our best wishes to the family and to everyone else who knew her, who knew her story of escaping communism, coming to the United States and becoming so successful. God bless you. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.